small town, where we're talking to entrepreneurs, community leaders, policymakers, and more to find out how they're building things in small towns. I'm your host, Shelby Smith. joining me on video you've already seen me screw up once um if you're not on video you didn't see it but you can go check it out on youtube if you would like to see i am working on figuring out what setup is going to work for this podcast which should begin at the beginning welcome to the building in a small town podcast this is a project that i have been thinking about for over six months at this point, I ended up reaching out to Janice with Grounded by the Farm. She was actually the one that gave me the idea of like, oh, you can have like a high quality audio, you know, mobile podcast setup. Uh, she was the first one that I had seen do that. And she came out, I think it was in April. Uh, she came out to the farm and recorded a podcast and she did a whole bunch of video and photos and stuff like that, which I don't really think that I'm going to do outside of, you know, having video, uh, to be able to have the YouTube video. But, um, I believe that I Instagram messaged her in June, it seems like asking, Hey, what did you have for your setup? Cause I just remember it being super fast for her to set up and she whipped it all out, set it up. The audio quality was great, and so I just said, what did you, what did you have? And she sent me the list of the things, and I immediately went and bought all of them, <laughs> and uh, so I had all of the stuff by July, and then it was time to get prepped for the state fair, and then it was time to finish up this building, and then it was time to move in, and then it was time to throw parties, and then it was time for crazy holiday orders, so needless to say, here we are the very, very last day of 2023, recording my first episode officially of Building in a Small Town. So this first episode is going to kind of be a get to know me sort of a thing. I'm guessing if you are listening to this podcast, especially if it's somewhere relatively soon after I've launched it, you probably already know me, but you know, it's just one of those things. Uh, I do want to kind of tell my story of how I wound up in this little tiny town that I am now residing in. And then I also kind of want to talk about, you know, why I, I hate to say I felt called, but I kind of did feel called or compelled perhaps as more of obliged is maybe a better word to start this podcast and start having some conversations around building things in small towns. So for those of you who don't know, so this is probably like three to five minutes, three minutes in already, and I have not introduced myself. My name is Shelby Smith. A lot of people call me the cricket lady. I founded and own and am the cricket lady with Jiminy Crickets. I raise crickets for human consumption and turn them into tasty protein packed snacks. I have told the story of the crickets often a lot and it is integral to how I wound up in this small town. Um, so if you've heard this, I am sorry. And if you haven't, buckle up because it's an interesting story. Um, so I grew up on a very traditional corn and soybean farm just outside of Ames, Iowa, 
uh, I mean, when people ask me, they're like, oh, what town? I'm like, no, literally right outside of Ames, Iowa. Uh, just three quarters of a mile east of I-35, like right outside of Ames city limits. So when I say right outside of Ames, like I mean it. Um, so I grew up on that traditional corn and soybean farm. Really wanted nothing to do with agriculture. Wanted nothing to do with the state of Iowa. Just was not interested. Um, luckily, I was pretty good and pretty active and pretty good at basketball. Pretty good at quite a few sports, but basketball is the one that I ended up choosing. And I ended up earning a full scholarship to play basketball at St. Joseph's University out in Philadelphia. And so I went out there after I graduated from high school. And... Uh, wouldn't say that I had the world's best college career, excuse me for a second, by any means, um, but it was one of those things that opened up some, some doors and it paid for my school. So I played at St. Joe's, graduated from there with a degree in finance. I was one class away and it was an introduction to, um, like taxes and it was an 8 30 a.m second semester of my senior year but if i had finished out that class i would have a double major in finance and financial planning um so i graduated with a degree in finance and then i went overseas with a program called sport changes life so sport changes life i believe was founded in either 2010 or 2011 and it was the goal of bringing together communities and fostering good values through sport. So interestingly, in Ireland, um, you know, the Catholics and the Protestants have been at it for years and years. Uh, basketball is a nonpartisan sport, shall we say. It's not like the Catholics play it or the Protestants play it. So it was very unifying in certain ways. It was agnostic, if you will, to whether you were Catholic or Protestant. Like it wasn't abundantly obvious that you were one or the other. So uh, Sport Changes Life brings former college athletes over to the Republic of Ireland and Northern Ireland to continue their education. So I got a master's degree at Trinity College in Dublin, master's in finance. Uh, you coach in underprivileged areas. So we were coaching in Dublin um, and then you play in their national premier league. So I played my first season with the Libby Celtics. And so we were only supposed to be there for a year. It's one year master's programs over in Europe for the most part, one year of classes and exams and all that kind of stuff. And then usually about a year for a dissertation. So I, uh, fully thought that I would be back in the U.S. Uh, like I took my LSATs um, prior to leaving the U.S. because I was going to go to law school. I was going to do law school and an MBA at the same time. Ended up getting my MSc in finance instead. Fell in love with Ireland and decided that I wanted to keep playing and I wanted to stay. And I didn't want to coach because I just don't like it. And so I ended up um, looking for a job. So I wound up on a brand new trading desk for a Canadian bank that was based there in Dublin. Brought me on as a risk intern. Very shortly after, I had a whole bunch of my own interns. Very shortly after that, was moved into a trading position. So I traded equity derivatives for that Canadian bank for about three and a half years before I figured out probably wasn't what I wanted to do with my life. Uh, so in September of 2017, I handed in my resignation and moved back to that family farm just outside of Ames, Iowa, that I said I would never come back to and uh, started doing the corn and soybean thing with my dad. Now, growing up, like I did nothing on the farm, like I was non-helpful, probably counterproductive in many ways. 
So school and sports were my job. Um, my brother really enjoyed doing things around the farm. He liked driving the big equipment, started doing it when he was really young. I definitely did not. Uh, so day one, I learned how to drive the tractor. Day two, got thrown in the grain cart, was really bad at it, got corn everywhere, is what it is though. Uh, ended up surviving that 2017 harvest season, got everything cleaned up and put in the shed. And my dad and I started talking about what I was going to do moving forward. He said, you know, you can, I can teach you how to do this, you know, the traditional corn and soybean thing, or you can find some sort of a niche and we'll help you get started. Uh, so fast forward a few weeks, it was January 1st of 2018. So coming up on almost what, five year anniversary? seems like six years maybe I don't know math is hard six year anniversary I believe um I found an article about a woman raising crickets for human consumption and I said hey I think I can do that and um you know to my parents credit they didn't say no they said that's really weird but we've seen weirder things go so do some research and come back to us and about nine days later I was unsatisfied with the quality of resources out there and decided that my best path forward was for me to just buy 10,000 crickets and see what happens. So that's what I did. I bought 10,000 two-week-old crickets. I believe I ordered them on January the 9th and they were there by January the 10th um, because during cold months you need overnight shipping. During hot months you need overnight shipping too, but shipping crickets is a really risky business. I, I don't want anything to do with that. Shipping live crickets, I mean. Um, so I did that, uh, bought the 10,000 crickets, and then was just kind of off to the races. I started raising them in my dad's shop. I was making them in my mom's kitchen. Had to figure out some place to sell them, so I started selling them at the Ames Farmer's Market. Ended up selling out of every single cricket I raised in 2018. Part of it was because I was awful at raising crickets, and part of it was because people just enjoyed the product. It was something they'd never seen before, um, so they were willing to try it, which was pretty cool. So move on to 2019, ended up building what I call my Cricut Castle. I took an old single wide and we turned it into a well-insulated Morton building on wheels. It 5X'd my Cricut growing capacity from where I started. And then the other thing that was really pivotal, pivotal, it was really pivotal in 2019 was I wound up buying a building on Main Street of a tiny town called Collins here in central Iowa. So here's the story of how I wound up in Collins, for those of you who don't know. Um, I, beginning of 2019, as we were building the Cricket Castle, I knew that I needed to find some sort of licensed production facility. Uh, and the reason that I needed to do that is prior to, I could only sell in like farmer's markets and direct consumer. So I was in a direct consumer situation, like AKA I was speaking to a group, which I did often. I would sell some crickets. You could technically sell them directly out of your home, but like wasn't really into that. And it was my parents' house. So didn't really want to do that. Uh, and then farmer's market, farmer's market is kind of a rough business. It's very weather dependent and you just never know who's going to show up. So for me, the next step with having a whole bunch more crickets, which is what I needed to do in order to justify having a licensed facility, um, I needed a way to be able to sell outside of direct consumer and farmer's markets. Legally, the way to do that in Iowa and across many states 
is to get licensed by the state, have a licensed and inspected facility. Uh, so for me, that was what I was looking for. Went through lots of different options, like I could rent out a space, uh, even thought about unconventional things like renting out spaces in churches, um, but none of those were a really good fit. So what I ended up doing is I, at the time, was one of the organizers for One Million Cups Ames. Um, and so with being a organizer for One Million Cups Ames, I was going to the weekly meetings and the Ames Chamber has always been really involved and the Ames Chamber was still really involved at that time. Um, and I was speaking with the Ames Chamber uh, employee that was in charge of like community outreach in the Ames MSA, which I don't really know what MSA stands for, but basically all the surrounding communities in Story County. Uh, there was one employee that was dedicated to, you know, doing outreach in that way. So, uh, Dylan, I think was his name off the top of my head, I believe. Uh, he's no longer with the Ames Chamber. He now believe lives in Chicago, but he had mentioned that he knew of a building that was available in this little town of Collins. And, um, I had driven through Collins a few times on my way to Baxter because at the time Willie was teaching at Baxter but I like had not spent a lot of time in the town. So I agreed to come look at it because he thought it might be a good fit. And so my dad and I came down and we looked at the building and uh, I just remember getting home and saying, well, I don't know. Um, it might work. It would take a lot of, you know, there'd be a lot of uh, renovation and things that we would need to do in order to make it like a viable option. It's kind of a far drive. It's like 25 minutes from the farm. I don't know. Like, I think there's maybe a better fit out there. Fast forward a week, I was at the Ames Farmer's Market, and who stops by my booth but Brett, the mayor of Collins, stops by my booth. I'd never met him before, and he stopped at my booth, and he said, hey, I heard you looked at the building. We want you in Collins, which for me, I was just like, wow. Um... I've never had a mayor of a town like stop by and be like, hey, we want you to be a part of, you know, what we're doing. But um, he did, much to his credit. And he gave me his phone number and he's like, if there's anything I can do, like, give me a call. Let me know. So I was like, well, maybe I'll go uh, take another look at it. And so I think we did come back down and we looked again. And, um, and then I made an offer. And... Um, we ended up settling on a price that we were both happy with, and I think I took possession of the building in on like the last day of June in 2019. So that was how I wound up in Collins. Um, and then at that point, my dad and the guy who was working for my parents at the time ended up gutting that whole building uh, and doing the plumbing and the HVAC and all the stuff that needed to be done to bring it up to food code standard so that I could get my food processing license through the state of Iowa so that and then legally I could sell on grocery store shelves I could sell online I could ship my crickets because up until then I legally couldn't do any of that so that was my first dipping of toes into Collins mind you in the summer of 2019 I still was never like oh I'm gonna end up living in this little tiny town 
that was definitely not the case yet. Uh, so then fast forward 2020, you know, having bought that building, get it licensed, all of the things that it enabled me to do in terms of opportunities that it allowed me to take advantage of. If I had not done that in 2019, I would not be sitting here almost in 2024 still talking to you about this business. I would not have survived uh, with COVID being what it was. Live events going away, that was my only source of income, you know, was live events, was farmers markets, and they were an absolute shell of themselves in 2020. So uh, that was huge. 2020 still ended up being a very painful year, uh, but it was what it was. So then fast forward to 2021, when I bought the building, there was and still is an empty lot that is just to the south of it. Uh, it's the same size as the lot that my building was on, but the city of Collins owned it. And so I approached them about purchasing it. So they did the necessary process. I believe it was just a, a sealed bid situation. I think I was the only one who put a bid in. Um, and so they sold it to me finally. I think it was, we started that process like maybe late 2019. And I don't think that I was, I don't think that we closed until maybe August or September of 2020. So it was a pretty long process, but so that was then my second commercial real estate purchase in this little tiny town in, um, two years, less than two years. It was actually probably one year under one or just about one year from buying the building to buying the lot. So that then, uh, opened up another possibility because Willie had started his landscaping business in 2019. He sort of needed a place to operate out of that empty lot, then gave him a place to store equipment, store materials, store all of the things. Um, so then that kind of entrenched us more here in Collins with the purchase of that in him sort of establishing his business here. So then, uh, late 2021, I would say middle of 2021, probably essentially since Willie started his business, he, uh, felt like and started verbally saying that he really needed a shop to be able to work on his equipment, store his equipment, you know, keep things out of the elements during the winter, all of those things. And so, uh, late 2021, we really started to get serious about really needing that shop situation. And, um, we were looking around town because we were, you know, already in Collins and we were looking around town and we, John Patterson still owned the building next to city hall, it was two story brick on the outside. But the real value for us is it had a 30 by 75 heated Morton building at the back. And I said, well, let me talk to John and see if he is amenable to possibly, you know, selling that building. He was just using it for storage. He had been selling off a fair amount of, of his buildings on Main Street. It's sort of been a slow process, but slowly but surely he was selling them to folks in town and out of town. And so we approached him about it. We made an offer, came to an agreement and ended up closing on our third commercial real estate purchase uh, within 100 feet. Uh, I believe it was January, like middle of January of 2022. So um, that is how we wound up in Collins was just a series of a bunch of commercial real estate purchases. And then obviously this last one, 
being our biggest investment um, in the whole town and the whole space, uh, we, I think, well, I was probably really naive to uh, what kind of shape the building was in when we bought it. I thought it was maybe in a little better shape than it was. It definitely was not. Um, But I had told Willie that I would go look for grant opportunities because I knew there were Main Street grants that existed to try and offset some of the cost of us renovating because ultimately we did want to live upstairs. We wanted to build an apartment upstairs uh, so we could live in it, so we could move out of my parents' basement, if nothing else. And um, so got that grant. I believe we were awarded it in August of 2022 was when we finally got the award letter um, so that we could go full force into renovating the space and turning it into what it is now. So, like I said, I never thought that I would end up living here in Collins, but now that I am, uh, what interesting, you know, paths we take to get to the places we are. So for those of you who don't know, city of Collins is less than 500 people. It is, uh, the Southeast corner of Story County, like Jasper County, Polk County are super, super close to where we are, uh, and Marshall County as well. Um, it's half an hour from Ames, half an hour from Des Moines, half an hour from Marshalltown, half an hour from Newton, uh, right off of Highway 65. But like I said, little teeny tiny town that you've probably never heard of unless you're from around the area. But we are just really excited about the opportunities um, for us to build all sorts of things here in this little bitty town. So, excuse me for a second while I take a sip of my Red Dragon Herbs and Teas Christmas Spice Tea. Um, I know it's past Christmas, but it's delicious. It's probably one of my favorites. So, yeah. So, that's how I wound up in this little tiny town of Collins. And that is why I've started to really be interested in what is what are people doing to thrive in small towns not just in Iowa but across the US so i looked up some statistics uh there are something like just over 19,000 uh incorporated places in the US meaning like defined as a town um and of those 19,000 i want to say something like over 16,000 of them have a population of 10,000 or less So that is kind of going to be the premise of this show is that I'm going to be interviewing um, business owners, community leaders, policymakers involved in and from towns of less than 10,000 people. It's a super unique set of circumstances um, in terms of business, like I said, policymaking, community building, uh, just figuring out how to make people not just survive, but thrive in places like this. Uh, And I just think it's something that doesn't get enough attention. So that is why I decided that I wanted to start this, partly because I am just super interested in uh, amplifying the voices of those people that are doing those things that are often overlooked. You know, small towns get overlooked a lot because there's just not a lot of people in them. So it it's not seen as giant buying power by big corporations, possibly not seen as a large voter base for politicians. Um, you know, I could go on. The list goes on as to why people overlook small towns. But what I see is that there's just 
massive opportunity in small towns is just figuring out what works, why it works. Um, is it, are people able to replicate it if they're not, you know, identifying what the strengths and weaknesses of, are of a certain area that allows certain things to thrive where other things won't. Um, all of those things are just fascinating to me. And I just, I want to talk to the people who are building things. Uh, I'm a very natural builder. I have come to realize that probably in the last five or six years, you know, since I've been building this business, I just like building things. It doesn't really matter what it is. It doesn't matter if it is building a table like my dad and I um, built this table that I'm currently sitting at. It doesn't matter if it is building a business, building a marketing plan building a podcast. I just like to build things. I'm a very natural like tinkerer. Um, so this is just another way for me to scratch that itch while also learning from people who have built our building um, and all of that. So that really is kind of the, the genesis of this podcast. I started to, like I said, get obsessed with it uh, this past summer, summer of 2023. When I knew that we were going to have this space, I wanted to be able to utilize this space. But then we also have a few other properties that like, there's things we could do with them, but like, what do we do with them? How do we build it? What's a good idea? What's a terrible idea? What's working for other, you know, communities that are about our size or what are working for communities that are slightly bigger or slightly smaller? I don't know. I mean, you do get smaller, but not a whole lot smaller than Collins. But just figuring out what other people are doing and um, so that in that way, you know, we can help them. They can help us. Uh, I just I'm really interested to start having those conversations. And, you know, the other thing is, is like I said, I've told the cricket story so many times. Um, I am super proud of what I built with the cricket thing. Uh, but I like to have other conversations than just about crickets. So I in an attempt to unpigeonhole myself, shall we say, out of the cricket space. I just kind of want to have some broader conversations about other things. I also, uh, coming from, wouldn't really say I came from the startup world, but being somewhat involved in the startup world, having friends in the startup world, um, being involved in some larger events that are startup focused. And when I say startup, I mean like venture backed sort of a situation. Uh, I was involved with a very large conference um, that if you know anything about Startup World, you've probably heard of it. I'm not going to name it, but uh, I was speaking to a few participants in this event that I was at that these participants would have had what you would call a lifestyle business and um, had been profitable for years and years and years and been successful for over 10 years owning their own business. And uh, they were a bit frustrated that they were not put on panels to discuss, you know, how they got there, what they've done, what they're building, etc. cetera. Um, and so, again, I wanted to kind of create and be a platform for people like that because I I think that they are generating real value but are often overlooked again like small towns Um, so we'll be talking about small towns we'll be talking about uh, non-venture backed although in some cases there are some venture backed companies that are building in small towns and I'm super interested to talk to them too because that's again a different dynamic and it's got its own challenges and opportunities so but you know just 
having a diversity of voices and conversations around what it's like to build things in small towns. So that is the plan. Um, So if you are or you know someone who is in a town of 10,000 or less, that is going to be my cutoff. Um, If you go look at different definitions of like what a small town is and what a small town isn't, it's all over the map in terms of different uh, benchmarks of what makes a small town or not. Some will say less than 10,000. Some will say less than 50,000. Very, very wide range. Uh, very wide range. And um, so I think 10,000 or less, like I said, with over 16,000 of them in the U.S., that gives me, you know, just a, an unlimited, essentially, amount of potential guests for this podcast. So uh, if you or someone you know is in a town of 10,000 or less, building something, like I said, doesn't necessarily have to be a business, could be a business, could be community, could be, I don't know, like a movement of, I think of a great example would be the Geneva market, little tiny town of Geneva, which actually is probably smaller than Collins now that I think about it. But these ladies, it's entirely volunteer run, um, but it's put on by the Geneva Betterment Association, and they essentially use the market to raise money for bettering their communities. So improving their uh, playgrounds or, you know, just things like that. So whatever you're building, if you're building something in a small town, I want to talk to you. My plan, and this is my plan, is to get one of these out a week. Uh, I don't anticipate doing a ton of solo episodes, but that's not to say that I won't do any. Um, But I just don't think that I will do a ton of them. I would like this mainly to be an interview show. So, uh, yeah, that is the plan for now. Um, I am slowly but surely going to figure out, like, the technical side of all of this. Right now, um, if you are watching this on YouTube, I am filming this uh, with my phone, which is how I do all of my YouTube videos. And I thought that I had like the audio from the microphone figured out to go into the phone, but I don't think that I got it figured out. So I'm going to have to do some Google searching to figure out exactly how I need to get those two linked up and synced up. It'll still have sound, but probably won't be the same quality as if you were listening on Spotify or Apple Podcasts, which I will try and figure out how to get into all the other podcasts, too. Um, I feel like I'm drinking from a fire hose of information, uh, trying to figure out just the basics of all of this stuff. But as, like I said, a natural-born builder, I do like learning things and implementing new skills. So this has kind of, kind of been good for all of that. So... Uh, my next episode is going to be my husband. He's been forced to be my second episode, my first interview episode, because we then can get all of the technical kinks worked out and he can't be too mad at me because he's got to live with me. Um, so yeah, so that one will be the next one. You can find out his story and how he also wound up (laughs) in this tiny town, um, with his wife, although... I think he probably always knew he'd end up in a small town. Hard to say, though. So, yeah, that is it, I think, 
for episode one. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, Please let me know, like I said, if you have any suggestions for guests, business owners, policymakers, community leaders, etc., please send them my way. Uh, I do have an email address set up specifically for this podcast, so please don't send it to my actual business email. Send it to buildinginasmalltown, all one word, at gmail.com. Again, that's buildinginasmalltown at gmail.com. And until next time, I hope you're building something because I think that's just what moves the world forward. Have an absolutely wonderful new year. See you later.